Taiwan reported 439 local COVID infections on Monday, with cases in 18 administrative districts. New Taipei had the most at 145. It was followed by Taipei with 100, Geelong with 36, and Kaohsiung with 32. Taiwan also reported 191 imported cases. 48 of the imported cases had arrived on the same flight from Vietnam. The flight carried 204 passengers, which means that its positivity rate was nearly 25%. Currently, passengers arriving from Vietnam are required to present negative rapid tests taken within six hours before departure. The Civil Aeronautics Administration is investigating the incident to see if border control rules were followed. With local COVID counts edging up, there are growing calls for cheaper at-home test kits. At a weekend press conference, the new power party asked the government to bring prices down to ease the burden on households that now need to purchase tests routinely. They're asking the government to regulate the market by forming a so-called national team of test makers. On Monday, pharmacists seconded the call for a rapid test national team. They say that more government regulation would help lower prices, ensure supply, and maintain test quality. The pharmacist arrives with a big box of rapid tests. As soon as he restocks, there's a customer with cash in hand. This customer complains that at 300 NT a pop, these tests are a little expensive. Amid a new domestic COVID surge, demand is high for at-home screening. During the period between last December and the domestic outbreak, there were many retail outlets that couldn't sell an average of one box a day. In March, say, at our pharmacy, we sold an average of 2.8 boxes a day. And ever since this month's tomb-sweeping festival, due to the rise in domestic cases, we've been selling 30 or more boxes a day. Once a slow seller, rapid tests are this season's hottest item. The new power party and a pharmacist group want the government to regulate the test kit market by forming a so-called national team of manufacturers. They say this would ensure the quality and supply of rapid test kits and lead to lower prices. Large-scale production is required to bring the price down. Right now, due to the great domestic demand for rapid screening, suppliers have trouble even delivering the goods on time. So it's relatively hard to use your purchasing power to bring down the cost of these kits. That's why we look forward to the government putting together a rapid screening national team. Making the prices more accessible to the people, more friendly. That's what we're working toward right now, and we should have results fairly soon. Right now, we're applying the model used in Geelong, where free kits were provided in COVID hotspots. The CECC says it signed deals with manufacturers to purchase 8 million rapid test kits. It plans to distribute the kits free of charge, with priority given to COVID hotspots. In the future, local governments will be able to request free test kits for use in any region designated as high risk. The CCC has provided new details on its home isolation policy for mild or asymptomatic COVID patients. If a patient needs to see a doctor, consults will be provided over teleconference. If a patient needs medication for symptoms like a fever or a cough, the doctor will write a prescription and the drug will be sent to the patient's home from a pharmacy. The drug can also be collected by the patient's friends or family.
We've tried out prototypes of telemedicine platforms before. Last May and June, they were used relatively heavily, but at the time, we did not offer home deliveries for prescriptions. But now the situation is that confirmed cases can't pick up their prescriptions. That's a very troublesome and inconvenient thing. The pharmacist shall dispense the drug, provide consults, and divide the prescription to the patient's home. To make that happen, local governments should create SOPs that are most suited to the local needs. Actually, pharmacists have been providing home delivery services for several years now. Many people are familiar with such a model of collecting prescriptions. The CECC said it would conduct a survey on Taiwan pharmacists and their willingness to provide home deliveries. It said it would consider providing subsidies to participating pharmacies. The CECC's home isolation policy is now under trial in New Taipei. Some mild or asymptomatic COVID patients began their home isolation period last Sunday. They're being monitored remotely by Far Eastern Memorial Hospital. They're also submitting regular reports on their health through a city-developed mobile app. The mayor says that the program is still a work in progress that will be improved over time. Through a video call, the mayor checks in on a COVID-19 patient. New Taipei has become the first city in Taiwan to trial home isolation for select COVID cases. We're constantly adjusting our pace to find ways of making the system better. That is very important in this transitional period. Home isolation for confirmed cases is the only way our medical system would be able to cope with a heavy surge of cases. New Taipei's home isolation trial is supported by a mobile app. Patients use the app to fill in health questionnaires three times a day. Green means everything is fine, white means no response, and yellow and red mean that there are problems. In the event of abnormalities, patients are taken to a hospital and segregated from the community. Patients who fail to report on their status could face fines. We asked people how they feel about confirmed cases isolating in their midst. I'm not worried. Right now, most people have mild symptoms or not at all. My wife is isolating at home, so I came to stay in Taipei. There's no other way to do it. I don't dare go back for now. We have young kids. This is the hardest part. Communication is vital. That's going to be the most difficult part for local governments. With COVID numbers rising, Taiwan is exploring ways to provide the best possible care to all without overburdening the medical system. The main test will be smooth government coordination, planning and execution. A breakthrough in regenerative medicine could see Taiwan doctors help patients with serious blood flow problems. The new technology, developed at the Institute of Cellular and System Medicine, uses stem cells to grow human tissue that can develop new blood vessels. The pioneering development is a big step forward in the field. Experts say it could open up new avenues to treat organ disease. Six years of research have finally resulted in a technology that uses stem cells and 3D printing to engineer pre-vascularized tissue. The tissue can create a precise system of vascular networks to supplement depleted blood vessels and appropriate biological structures. It's the work of a joint team from the National Health Research Institutes and the Chemical Engineering Department of National Tsinghua University. The benefit of 3D printing is, with microcontrol like we just said, the blood vessels could be just 100 microns away, and you can make microplacements. The expense can be greatly cut down too. 
It's a big breakthrough for 3D printing a medicine. The research team uses methods from tissue engineering to make up for a lack of arterial cells, grafting stem cells that then specialize. 3D printing creates structures that are more easily accepted by the body. The technology could be used to stimulate vascular growth, treating tissue starved of a blood supply or damaged organs. The mortality rates for diabetic amputations are quite high. This technology could help improve blood circulation. It could be used on external wounds too, but we still need more time for that. The researchers have applied to patent their invention and publish their findings in a scientific journal. If it takes off, the new technology could help all kinds of patients grow healthy new blood vessels, including patients with diabetes or ischemia. Combined with other stem cell technologies, it might lead to synthetic organs or tissues, opening up brand new dimensions in regenerative medicine. China is ramping up its nuclear expansion to deter the U.S. That's according to sources cited by the Wall Street Journal. According to a report published on Saturday, China has partially completed more than 100 nuclear silos in the Yunmen Desert. It's decided to put greater emphasis on its nuclear buildup due to Washington's apparent wariness of Russia's nuclear arsenal. According to the sources, China sees nuclear weapons as a way to prevent U.S. intervention over Taiwan. In a new Wall Street Journal report, experts said satellite imagery showed increased Chinese activity in the Yumen Desert region. Nearly 120 suspected missile silos are already partially constructed, according to the report. The Wall Street Journal said China recently changed its assessment of the U.S. threat. It's seen America's fear of Russia's nuclear weapons and how that fear prevented direct involvement in the war in Ukraine, according to sources cited in the report. As a result, China is stepping up its nuclear expansion to threaten the U.S. and to prevent intervention in the event of a Taiwan invasion. China's militaristic push is known to the whole world. As for its development of nuclear weapons, we are constantly monitoring that. I think that the entire world is concerned about China's impact on regional peace and stability. We, the Ministry of National Defense, will continue to monitor related developments and to respond as needed at all times. With China-Taiwan tensions ever rising, the U.S. military is keeping a close eye on the strait. In a recent round of war games, a U.S. naval advisory group simulated four scenarios that could unfold if China invaded Taiwan in 2030. In the first scenario, the Taiwanese people did not resist. In the second, the U.S. attacked China's landing craft, while Taiwan mustered its strength to hold off the remaining troops. In the third, Taiwan fought off the first wave of Chinese invaders using U.S. capabilities before hunkering down for a long standoff. In the fourth, cyber attacks disarmed China's military, which lost all its ships at sea. On Monday, Taiwan's defense ministry was asked for comment on the U.S. war games. This isn't the first time American think tanks have conducted war games for the Taiwan Strait. They've been doing that since the start, and particularly now, at a time when the world is so closely watching its Indo-Pacific strategy. We always have our eye on the conclusions reached by such war games. The experience that they get from such games is useful to us as a reference. The Defense Ministry plans to deploy short-range automated defense systems on the outlying islands of Dongin and Uchiao. The systems will have shore-based anti-landing capabilities, as well as short-range defense capabilities that will bolster Taiwan's abilities to protect its offshore islands. The CCC will soon require its COVID contact tracing mobile app for access to certain venues. It plans to double the number of people who use the app from 6 million to 12 million. 
The app uses Bluetooth technology to sense whether users have been in physical proximity to a confirmed case over the past 14 days. Experts say that the app can be used to replace the current real name registration system. Through the Taiwan Social Distancing app, you can see how long you were exposed to confirmed COVID cases. This app could soon become mandatory for access to certain venues. How much do the average person know about this app? The app allows users to report whether they've been infected, but if users don't update their status or if their contacts don't have a phone, the app can't notify contacts who are at risk of infection. Currently, the app has about 6 million users. The government wants to bring that up to 12 million. The challenge will be getting downloads among older adults. Overseas, they figured out a way. They knew that some people wouldn't have phones, so they gave them a different device. For example, an Apple Watch that you could wear. That achieved the same purpose. It was like giving people an app to carry on their bodies, one that they could stick in their pockets. But doing something like that would require planning. It's not a program you can just launch on a whim. Some experts say it's not necessary to track everybody. They say older adults tend to be less active in the community and may not always leave their homes each day. Young children don't need tracking either, as they're usually with their parents or at school and are easy to locate when needed. But even so, experts say the contact tracing app should be promoted widely as a replacement for the current real-name registration system. The best thing would be to replace real name registration with this. The app has a very big advantage, which is that it's passive. You go in or go out from a venue and the app detects it automatically. With real name registration, you have to scan a code when you enter and you don't scan anything when you exit. However, one infectious diseases specialist fears the app could lead to privacy abuses by the government. According to Dr. Wang Renxian, the app should be accompanied by laws that protect users, giving them the right to share or not share their personal data. Moving on to markets, Taiwan stocks plummeted on Monday as traders weighed China's COVID lockdown and the Fed's tightening monetary policy. The TIEX closed down 236 points to end at 17,048 on the turnover of 299.5 billion NT. The massive outflow of foreign funds sent Taiwan's currency sinking against the greenback. The new Taiwan dollar now stands at 29.05 to the greenback, its weakest point in one and a half years. Over the short term, the market will be affected by outbreaks in China that trigger work stoppages. Later on, listed companies will start to put out their financial reports, and that will provide the TIEX with a certain amount of lower rent support. A weak currency is, of course, beneficial for exports, but there will be greater pressure on importers. When it comes to imports, we are already short on raw materials, and most importers shoulder costs related to raw materials. If the new Taiwan dollar continues to depreciate, it may worsen inflation in imported products. Analysts expect the rise of the greenback to continue. If the Fed raises interest rates in May, as expected, traders should prepare for the Taiwan dollar to fall further. A new video game imagines how Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall would look without Chiang Kai-shek. 
The game invites users to explore Liberty Square during the historic Wild Lily student protests and presents the hall with various new looks. Produced by the government's Transitional Justice Committee and the Taiwan Independence Group, the game wants to inspire young people to reimagine Taiwan's public space for the democratic era. The player follows urgent footsteps up to the Liberty Square gate, weaving between countless wild lily protesters sitting on the ground of the square. This virtual world was created to envision the end of authoritarianism by the Transitional Justice Commission and Taiwan Society North, a Taiwan independence advocacy group. You go through an immersive spatial experience because this authoritarianism expressed itself through architectural spaces and totemic landmarks. We want to use this to give young people a consensus, to know what we should do about this thing. That will make it easier to carry out more practical projects. At the end of the game, the bronze statue of Chiang Kai-shek gets up and slowly walks down from its pedestal, signifying an historic end to autocracy. And unexpectedly, after the statue disappears, the player can listen to a story narrating the history behind the game and proposing the need for transitional justice. The educational game was made to raise awareness of transitional justice issues among young people. If the ghosts of authoritarianism persist, especially the ghost of Chiang Kai-shek, it is actually still a big obstacle for the deepening of true democracy in Taiwan. We can make a projection show to make the authoritarianism smaller, while not changing the existing structure. Because to pull down the statue, you would need a greater social consensus than we have. So we're going for a softer approach, and in the future we can discuss how to use the space. Proposals include hosting installation art in Freedom Square or hanging Hakka textile prints on the walls of the hall. This game aims to broaden minds about the fate of one of Taiwan's most iconic public spaces and inspire new visions for the future of democratic Taiwan. Monkey Mountain in Kaohsiung is famous for its Formosan macaques who love to beg visitors for food, but it's also got some intriguing curiosities that are far less well-known. FTV followed a team of hikers off the beaten path to explore the mountain's hidden gems. One after another, the hikers march up the slope to see the alien. It's hidden away deep in the mountain. To get a glimpse, you need a guide to lead you down a narrow mountain road. Once you see it, you'll want to stretch out your hand. One hiker touches the tree with a finger, while other hikers scramble to take pictures. Look close and you might make out the shape of an odd humanoid, one with two legs spread apart and an outstretched arm. The hikers take turns shaking hands with the alien. Because it's got that long arm. Yeah, it looks like E.T. We're here to see the alien. We're rushing to see it. It'll be gone by next year. The wood will rot all the way through. These hikers know well the mountain terrain. Our news team follows them up Monkey Mountain, starting from a small trail that moves deep into the mountain. We stop when we reach a secret realm that's home to the alien tree. Along our way, we find purple blossoms of the rare rusty leaf macuna vine. Very few people get to see this, the blossoms of the vine. Very few people get to see it. The vines are in full bloom all over the hills. In the past, they've been pulled up by humans and by monkeys who like how they taste. Locals say that few outsiders know of the secret preserve and that the alien tree was a relatively recent discovery. It's a whimsical sculpture shaped by nature, and hikers are eager to get selfies with it while they can. We turn now to Taizong, where a retired tailor spends his golden years making stunning wood sculptures. 
Craft artist Hao Sen-ming makes his pieces using fallen leaves, dead wood, and seeds that he finds in the great outdoors. He's loved nature since he was a boy and has an expert eye for finding materials that would make a great work of art. Holding up a piece of rattan wood from the mountains, this craft artist uses a special tool to dig out the soil inside the cracks. Once he picks it clean, he cuts the wood into cross sections, which are arranged with Circassian beans to make a lovely tabletop. <laughs> I spent about four months making this. It took four whole months to put this tabletop together. Craft artist Cao Senming is based in Taichung City's North District. He was a tailor before retirement, but now devotes his time to wood carving. He enjoys exploring the outdoors, collecting driftwood and seeds that he can transform into art. So far, he's created more than a thousand pieces. I grew up in the countryside, so I was very interested in nature. I once met an experienced artisan, and I saw him make art using tree roots. That's how I got started on this journey. Tao has an eye for hidden treasures, like inconspicuous tree seeds off the street or pieces of rotten wood. He turns them into striking works of art that push the boundaries of wood sculpture. I like nature very much, and I don't like things that are overly manufactured. I don't have an appreciation for artificiality, because only natural beauty is true beauty. With his affinity for nature, Tao brings dead wood back to life. With his artistic talent, he casts the beauty of the great outdoors in a new light.